the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. Zacchaeus, come down. Looked at Jesus and says, look, Jesus, whatever I had done, whatever it is that I have done, I'm willing to pay restitutions. I'm, 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 I want you to know I'm serious about hearing your word. I heard you, and I'm doing this because I really, truly heard your call. And that's when repentance is really being clarified in the heart of Zacchaeus. He's being clarified when he's moving closer and closer to the grace of God at that point, right? Because he had that conviction. Without being convicted, there can be no real repentance. And if there's no real repentance, there could be no real forgiveness that can take place in our life. That's true with our relationship with God, and that's true with our relationship with each other. In fact, it's one of the conditions that God has placed on us in order to have to pray, for us to pray effectively. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty five. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Listen, loved ones, I'm guilty of it, and so probably are you. I hope you're not, but I know I'm guilty of this. This is a verse that we know is true deep inside our hearts. If you're a Christian, you know that this saying by Jesus, to forgive if anyone uh, has anything against you, uh, to, uh, to forgive them, we know it's true, we know it's a commandment, but it's probably one of those commandments that we just completely ignore because it's easy to ignore. Let me be honest with you, this is a tough one for me and I think this is a tough one for everybody else. We need more grace to be able to live up to this commandment by Jesus. And don't worry, there's abundant grace available. We just need to be humble and willing to receive that grace. But this is a tough one. I'll be honest with you, it's a tough one. But you know what? If we don't follow it, we're going to go through life carrying that baggage and we wonder, why aren't my prayers getting answered? Why is God not giving me a clear direction in my life? Why am I stumbling and fumbling and falling all over the place? Why am I offending people? I don't mean to, but why am I doing this? Why do I respond this way? You know, you can trace that and root that with unforgiveness. And I think we've heard sermons after sermons about that, but it's really true. That's one of Satan's most deadly weapons to keep us holding on to those grudges, to keep us entertaining the baggage of unforgiveness. It's true, we know, deep within, but it's a tough one. Here's another one. And here's 
an even tougher one. This one, Jesus directed to Peter, but it also applies to us, okay? This is found in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 22. Listen to this exchange between Jesus and Peter. You know this verse already, but let me just read it because it's, re- it, it's really uh, very insightful when it comes to this repentance and forgiveness issue. Verse 21, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sisters, sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Oh, he gave the number. I love Peter. He's asking a question, but he's setting the condition, you know. How many times should I forgive my brother or my sister? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. We know, we all know what Jesus was saying. Jesus is saying, I'm not putting a number on how many times you're going to be forgiving people. Now, you and I might think that Peter asked this question. We might think that he just blurted out this question to justify his own unwillingness to forgive. But you and I have to put ourselves in Peter's shoes before we judge him. Why he asked this question. This is actually a very fair question. This is actually a very intelligent question. You know why? Because Peter knew the history of his people. He knew that throughout the history of his people, they had been enslaved and oppressed and marginalized by other nations. That's where this question is coming from. Make no mistake about it. He's been carrying this baggage on behalf of an entire people. He had been oppressed. He had been enslaved, the Jewish people, throughout the centuries, throughout the existence of that nation in history. They'd been under slavery from the Egyptians, followed by the Assyrians, followed by the Babylonians, followed by the Persians, and then the Greeks came, and now Peter is now under Roman rule. So that's six nations, six nations who enslaved them and oppressed them. So when Jesus said, forgive, Peter asked right away, six times we've been oppressed by six different nations. How many times, Jesus, should I forgive? Should I forgive a seventh time? You have to understand, he was carrying a baggage. And Jesus says, 77 times. That must have disappointed Peter. But there's something about this forgiveness that, 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 that God himself wanted us to understand. We need to capture the heart of God when it comes to this area of forgiveness. Peter had been ha- understood the, the, the pain that the whole nation, not just him, have experienced throughout the century. But the Spirit of God has a way of convicting us in our hearts to start letting go. May I say this, everybody? I know my wife says, don't, 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 don't deal with the current events that are happening so much. Just stick with the sermon. But I'm going to have to say this. You know the problems we're having right now in our nation? You can trace this to this. Has there really been any kind of true repentance and forgiveness that have happened? Has there really been? So this is not a political statement. You know me better than that. But we got to go to the root of the problem. Why do we still have these issues facing us today? Jesus is right. We're asking Peter's question. You know, 
and Jesus is answering us the right way. You have got to forgive. You have got to forgive. Otherwise, it won't go away. The problem will not go away. We'll still have these same problems of disunity and violence and racism and, and uh, social justice issues and all of these things. It'll perpetuate. It'll continue to happen because the human heart, Jesus says, is wicked and desperately evil. It wants to do the wrong thing. It is fallen. We need the grace of God to be able to forgive. We need the grace of God to be able to repent. That's what we're, that's the trajectory of the Christian faith. And it'll never stop until we hear what Jesus said to Peter. Peter asked, how many times should I forgive? Up to seven times? Jesus says, no number. You've got to forgive. Pastor, what if a person sins against me? How many times should I forgive that person? And then we'll say, well, just keep forgiving them and and all of that. Okay, fine. But what if they're dead? What if they're dead? How can I forgive someone who did not repent against me? See, that person sinned against me. What should I do? I I actually heard a pastor said this. He says, "Uh, do this. Put an empty chair in front of you and put that person that you need to forgive on that chair and start forgiving that person. It's a good idea. You know, maybe we need to do that to be able to obey the call of Jesus. Maybe we need to do it. Maybe some of you this morning, you're going to need a whole auditorium of empty chairs. You got so many people that are no longer around that you need to forgive. Just make sure that when you set up those chairs, listen, loved ones, this is important, that they're socially distanced. It's funnier than you think. Well, you're being silly. What do you mean put an empty chair and put an invisible person there and forgive? How silly can you be? I'm not going to do that. That's silly. Listen to me very carefully. When you pray, do you see Jesus physically? Do you? I don't think so. Because if you do see Jesus physically, we have a hospital for you. Fact of the matter is, we pray to God who is invisible. And boy, we can say wonderful words, a beautiful words of praise to an invisible God. He's not invisible. We know him by the heart. But the point is, why couldn't we do that to someone? God looks at the heart and he knows whether we truly forgive or forgave someone. You can, you can go to that person and in front of them you say, I forgive you, if that's possible. But sometimes we do it, but we don't really mean it. The same situation is true when the situation is reversed. If it's up to you, find the person you have offended and sinned against and ask for their forgiveness. If they don't forgive you, listen, you're off the hook. Leave it to God. What matters is that the conviction to repent and the offer and receiving of forgiveness is there. You know what I love about the the whole passion of Jesus, the whole crucifixion of Jesus? While they're doing this to Jesus, Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus wasn't expecting anything, right? He just blanket, you know, blanket forgiveness. He says, you people don't know what you're doing. But you know what? I ask my Father to forgive you. But that's a tall order. Because I said this before and I said it, say it many times. It doesn't come easy for any one of us. Now, there's a third principle when it comes to Uh, this journey from repentance to forgiveness. And that is, it is always in the context of 
community, in the context of community. Zacchaeus was an outcast from his own people. They didn't like him. In fact, they hated him. They considered him a sinner. He became rich at their expense. And likely, uh, they were justified. Most likely, they are justifying their hatred of him for the things that he has done. But Jesus refused to treat him as an outcast. Look at verse 9. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. He's saying that the promise that God gave through the Abrahamic covenant includes anyone who will call on the name of the Lord by faith. Abraham is the, is the representative of those who will belong to God, to the family of God, by putting their faith in Jesus as their king, the Messiah. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that covenant. So Zacchaeus, having having repented and have been forgiven by God, must now be a part of the family of God. And that's how you and I, as God's very own family should conduct ourselves when it comes to this area of repentance and forgiveness. The church is not just an organized or disorganized religious organization. We're not just an organized group of like-minded people who decide to come together and sing these songs together and read scriptures together and listen to sermons together. The church is the body of Christ. And as such, we are involved in much greater things than the things that we do here Sunday in and Sunday out. Did you know that the body of Christ, Christ being the head, the body has been given the authority and the power to accept repentance and to offer forgiveness. We have that. We have that mandate from God. Sure, only Jesus can truly forgive. But Jesus is seated in heaven. Okay? Jesus is in heaven, seated on the throne. The Holy Spirit is here. The body of Jesus is here. And we need to be the people who will convey that gospel, the centrality of forgiveness and repentance in the gospel by offering it to people and bringing people within the body of Christ, bringing people in the family of God. This is well articulated already in the gospels. Look at this familiar verse. Jesus says, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you. This is within the church. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along. So that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Zacchaeus was probably... couple of swallows there. Okay? Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's speaking about forgiveness. Repentance and forgiveness. It's not speaking about chasing after the devil and trying to tie him up. It's not talking about that. How many times have we lost the context of that passage by keep by us insisting that when we bind something on earth, it'll be bound in heaven. No, it's talking about 
forgiveness and repentance. If a person repents, forgive the person and restore that person to the family of God or receive that person into the family of God. Because Jesus says, whatever you bind on earth, speaking about sins, speaking about accepting the offer of God of salvation, of repentance and forgiveness. He says, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Talking about releasing a person who doesn't repent. Heaven agrees. All right? So you don't, you and I have a clear mandate when it comes to repentance and forgiveness. Okay, and here's the kicker right here. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. What's the context? Again, the power and the authority of the church to extend forgiveness to a person who repents. When we come to church, we preach the gospel for the purpose of a person hearing the gospel and then repenting and coming to faith in Jesus. I'm not in this to win disciples. I have no disciples in this room. I want you to make that clear. No pastor has ever had a disciple. And if, if, if you hear a pastor say, well, I got a bunch of disciples, we have a hospital for him. I'm not in the business of creating disciples for myself. We're all in the business of making people follow Jesus. You are a disciple of the Lord Jesus. You are as responsible as as I am as, as, as your pastor in making people disciples of Jesus. It's never in our power to do that. And Jesus says, when two of you Here on earth, agree about anything you ask for. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. This is the way we behave as a body of Christ. This is a community. This is about, you know, repentance and forgiveness in the context of community. We're all in this together. We're all brothers and sisters in the Lord. And if we do not agree, okay, we need to deal with it. We need to talk about it. We need to, to make sure that, that, that this is practiced, even within the church, okay? Uh, uh, we can't just simply say, well, you know, you know that, that person can do anything they want. How many of you know, if you're representing our local church and you go out there doing things that you're not supposed to do, and then people ask you, uh, what do you do? Where do you go to church? Oh, I go to Living Rock in Sunnyvale. No, you don't. We will deny you three times. All right? We will do what Peter did. Okay? Why, why is that important? Because, you know, when, when, when uh, the church is a body, when, when the arm is hurting, the rest of the body cannot function. You know, it just can't. I mean, you, you know, we know the analogy. We know the illustrations. We've seen them and heard them before. You know, when something goes on, you represent all of us. The church represents everybody in the body of Christ. That's why it's community. That's why repentance and forgiveness happens in community. We can't simply say, well, you know, that's them. You know, let them be. It's, gonna, it's bound to affect us because it's, it's not biblical. We cannot simply dismiss those things. Now, there, has truly, has to, there truly be, has to be a, a repentance and the confession of sin. 
and you know and and the offering of forgiveness yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna put him on the spot a little bit okay so brother larry just celebrated uh, his birthday and uh you know um happy birthday larry and uh, I didn't ask for his permission, but I'm going to use it anyway. I love Brother Larry. He's one of our deacons. I really love him. And, you know, I hardly, I hardly call his, his, his uh, confession sins. They're not, I'm not talking about any of that. But there are times when Brother Larry will be very quiet. He will be very down. He will be very, you know, not himself. You know how Brother Larry is, you know. Even if there's social distancing, he's going to stretch out his hand. And he's going to put it on you. All right, But you know what? I've seen this in Larry many times. And I'm not trying to put him on the spot. This is not intended to embarrass him. He would, on his own, say, you know, I had been down. I had been not feeling very good. Uh, some things, I've, I've, been, I've been struggling with something. And, and, and he, would, he would freely express that, you know. And in my mind, I'm saying, you know, that's hardly anything. I mean, you shouldn't even really worry about it. We understand. We love you and all that. But the fact that he was humble enough to say, you know, I, I'm sorry. That, you know, if I acted this way, I'm just, you know, there's some things that I'm struggling with. And, and you know, and now I'm back. You know, I'm back again. I think that's a great thing. I think that that kind of honesty is, is what Jesus was saying to when he says, you know, if you, if, you, if you, your brother or your sister, you know, at the most extreme level sins against you or anything like that, you know, you should talk to them. You should deal with it as part of my body. How we respond to one another, whether we respond godly, or ungodly matters because we are the body of Christ. This leads us to the final point as to why um, we need to do that. And that is repentance and forgiveness is also a commandment to conform to Christ. Repentance and forgiveness commands conformity to Jesus Christ. That's the whole point of repenting and receiving forgiveness so that we can be Christ-like. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That was Jesus' mission. And that's ours as well. We are in the business of obeying Christ's commands so that the transformative power of the gospel in the world can be seen. We are agents of redemption to offer hope and life to other people. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as, in, just as in Christ, God forgave you. You know, God has more planned for us than just for us to live our lives here on earth, and then when we die, we go to heaven. God wants to conform us to the image of his son. That's always been the aim of the Christian faith. It's only found in the kingdom of God when we are called to that redemptive mission 
to tell people that God is calling them, that he's not far away, that he's right in front of them. He's a matter of just expressing faith to him. Paul says, if you confess with your mouth, and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And upon getting saved, the journey begins. The journey to, conform, to, be, to the conformity uh, to Christ uh, begins to happen. And as simple as this may sound, the only thing that will bring true healing and restoration in our life, in our families, in our community, and yes, as I've mentioned earlier, in our nation, is true repentance and true forgiveness. The ability to have the grace to own up to our mistakes and sins and to give and receive forgiveness from God to offer forgiveness to others as we receive their repentance. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievances against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Over and over again, Scripture says that. That statement is true. Redemption comes before righteousness. We must first repent and receive forgiveness offered by Jesus on the cross before we can be right with God and before we can be right with each other. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com.